All right, it's AP and Spence, two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. And Spence, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing okay. It is a, it is, it has been an awful week weather-wise here in Portland, and it is beautiful today. I mean, it is not a cloud in the sky. You know, 65 degrees, oh. it's sunny. It's been awesome today. It's supposed to be like this all weekend, so I can't wait to get out and and and, and explore. Oh yeah, and go for a bike ride or something. You know, it's gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna go out there. We're gonna do a little camping this weekend, actually, and and uh, take the camper out to Detroit Lake, and so we'll have a little fun. It's supposed to be like almost mid 70s and sunny, yeah. which is gonna be some of the warmest days of the year. Um, now you and I, AP, we get along. Right? Yeah, we we get along. We're peers. Yeah. We're both lawyers. I'll tell you, talking about peers and t- two people who don't get along right now, mm. I'm thinking that Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher are not the best of friends right now. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, because Nick basically came out and was like, Texas A&M got the number one recruiting class because they bought all their players through name, image, and likeness. And he says they got the number two recruiting class and they didn't buy any players. Yeah, which is and you un- know, unreal. There's no way that's true and no way that – AM every one of their players. Yeah. Right. But but Jimbo Fisher responded vehemently and, and aggressively and said you can dig into Nick Saban's past and he, And he said we didn't break any rules. Yeah. You know, because the NIL rules are basically you gotta follow the state law rules, right? You can't pay for play, right? You can't guarantee anything. Yeah. And then and then um and then you, you essentially have to clear everything, and as long as you're doing that. You're good. You're good, right? So, so Jimbo Fisher says we're not we're not breaking any rules. We're following the rules. You can't call us out. And and Nick Saban is like, I don't. I don't anyways, it was an interesting conversation. So, I think you know, there's there, we have a really good friend of the show who's a huge Aggie fan who you and I both know really well. Yeah, yeah. Drew Diener uh, lives in Arizona now. Went to law school with us. He's a Texas A and M alum, big college football fan, and he was a college sports. He was a he was a sports writer and did college sports writing before he went to law school, right? Yeah, so he's he's a media guy and he's a very objective guy, smart guy. He's going to break down kind of a hot take of his impression of what Nick Saban was saying and why he said it, what Jimbo Fisher's response was, and kind of the state of Texas A&M football from an objective standpoint. And he'll get into some of the his thoughts on name, image, and likeness. Is it good for football? Is it not? And then he'll highlight that October 8th game where Texas A&M plays at Alabama. And it's going to be just a grudge match, Spence. That would be a crazy fun game to be at. Uh, I saw right now that Texas A&M is 17-point underdogs in that game. Uh, If Bama comes out and they're ticked off about that, and if Texas A&M could be a great game. Oh, I hope so. They got the number one recruiting class because they bought them all, apparently. That's right? right. All right, let's go talk to Drew. Let's get to the phones. This is AP and Spence, and we're two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. And uh, Spence, we have a, a, another guest, a friend of the show, a friend of the show because they've been on the show before, and uh, Drew Diener. And Drew uh, attended the same law school that both you and I did, Willamette University College of Law in Salem, Oregon. And I got to know Drew back, I think, starting in 2006. So I've known Drew for, uh, gosh, at least six, uh, 15, 16 years, if my math is right. 
and uh, you know Drew lives out in Arizona now. But you know we we touch base on on sports and, and social media and podcasting and different things. And, and I'll let Drew uh, give a little introduction to himself. But he's an attorney in Arizona, and he attended Texas A and M University. He's an alum of that school, a fan of that school, um, and. You know, recently in the media, we've had some, uh, you know, Texas A&M's found their way into the news. And I think Nick Saban has helped put them there. And uh, Coach Jimbo Fisher is now in the news. And there's been a little bit of a back and forth going on. And I think the worldwide media and college football have been paying attention to it. And so we're going to get get some perspective today. And I know Drew Diener is going to do a great job of, of giving us some thoughts and some perspectives of that he has on this matter. And so first of all, Drew, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you doing today? Well, Aaron, I'm doing great. Um, glad to be back on. Thanks for the invitation to come back on. I think I was on, what, about a year or two ago, uh, maybe at the dawn of the name, image, and likeness era, or at least um, actually probably pre-dawn of the name, image, and likeness Era, and I remember uh, discussing with you and Spence uh, what the potential could be, and 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 we kind of looked into our our crystal balls a little bit to uh, imagine imagine the future with this now as 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 a <clears throat> as a resource for programs, and and lo and behold, here we are today. Yeah, it's it's been really a uh, the wild west. We've had. Um, we had an attorney on for Bond, Shonick and King or BSK Law Firm, which is probably one of the premier collegiate sports law firms in the country. And they, they really handle some major name, image and likeness issues for some major programs. And even one of their partners called it the Wild West. And we've heard some folks at the NCAA kind of explain it that way, that this name, image and likeness concept has grown, has morphed, it's had good, it's had bad, it's had intended consequences and now some unintended consequences. And and it's really kind of changed the way college football recruiting is being done, at least as of right now, at least a little bit. And, and you know, we're going to play a couple of uh, clips that we'll, we'll interject into our podcast um, in, in post-production here. And, and what, but what it's, it's going to say basically is, first of all, Nick Saban chimes in and uh, he says something to the effect of, hey, look, you know, he's talking about name, image, and likeness and recruiting classes. And I think he said something to the effect of Texas A&M got the number one recruiting class and we had the number two recruiting class, but Texas A&M bought all of their players. And the, the assumption is he means that they that Texas A&M worked some name, image, and likeness deals, and every single recruit that they've received have been kind of bought, and that Alabama didn't buy any, he said. So they didn't do any name, image, and likeness deals, but then kind of hints that if this is the way things are done, we might have to change how we're doing business, and it's not really good for college football. So first, Drew, I was going to ask you, did, did you see that, that clip from, from Nick Saban? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I watched it last night, and I watched uh, Jimbo's uh, press conference after that. I watched them both on YouTube, so I saw them. You know, I obviously didn't see both of them live, but I went back through <clears throat> and watched them. So I guess, and, but uh, yeah, you 
know, pr- pr- pretty pretty interesting stuff from Nick Saban. I mean, Nick Saban's a guy that, you know, he also didn't like the up-tempo offenses. Then he ended up building arguably the best up-tempo offense in college football. Uh, not liking the name, image, and likeness uh, stuff, but I, I would not be surprised uh, if he began to leverage that more or Alabama began to leverage that more for their benefit. And, and, they, and they already are. I was looking on the college sports business of college sports website last night, and they've got a list of uh, every university in the name of their respective NIL uh, collectives. And there's an NIL collective at, uh, at Alabama. It's called High Tide Traditions. So, I mean, uh, to, to, to think that uh, this uh, is unique to Texas A&M is, um, is, is, is ridiculous. I don't know. Jimbo says that they didn't work out deals with all these guys that they recruited as part of their coming to Texas A&M. Um, but that's that's what that's what Nick says happened. Yeah, because it was sort of interesting. Because yeah, I, I feel like Nick Saban has done this. You're right; he has in the past. Sort of when Oregon was at the height of sort of this up tempo, you know, hike the ball before the chains are set kind of offense, and everybody's scrambling around. And and Oregon was able to go to the national championship game that way. And they won the, they kind of ran through the Pac-12 for a few years there. And they were going 11-1 and 12-0. And, and Nick didn't want any part of that. You know, he was like, what are we doing? This isn't traditional smash mouth football. We're not getting three yards in a cloud of dust. This isn't real football. Uh, but then you're right. Then he went and hired Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and kind of mastermind sort of this high-octane, high up-tempo speed offense after the fact. And so it almost seems like there's a history of Nick Saban sort of getting burned by something new, not liking it because it hurts him, and then trying to find a way to adapt to it and then and then likes it once it benefits him. And so maybe this is a sense of like he's le- losing some ground recruiting-wise uh, because now other teams can use other approaches, name, image, and likeness deals, or other things to get recruits besides just your traditional high school kid and that's hurting Alabama and maybe their brand a little bit and their recruiting prowess and and he's lashing out and the person in front of him right now is Texas A&M and I know uh, Jimbo Fisher um, responded uh, right Drew he res- he gave a little response to to Nick yeah, what was he yeah, saying I, I like Jimbo the the response wasn't super articulate I mean it was it was entertaining in the way you know, uh, a shouting match uh, between WWE uh, <laughs> contestants is, and sure. I think you know he was that, that was part of it. Um, I, I think I would have preferred Jimbo to not be so defensive about it. It's fine to defend uh, yourself and say, "Hey, we did nothing wrong." That's fine. I got no problem with that but then you know we started trying to throw Saban under the bus and saying that Saban does this and that and just kind of went on and on and on about it I think that A&M ought to wear proudly the badge of being 
a uh, astute and early adopter of the NIL, NIL world. I remember watching SEC Media Days last August after uh, after name, image, and likeness uh, came to be, and I remember Jimbo touting uh, those kind of opportunities for a kid uh, maybe wanting to, to take advantage of them to come to Texas A&M to do that because of A&M's central location in the Dallas-Houston uh, Austin Triangle. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for kids that want to go to school and play ball at A&M, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever, to capitalize on name, image, and likeness because there's a it's a huge school, huge alumni base, and there's people with with money that would uh, like to throw it the way of these <coughs> kids and have them be their pitchmen for their car dealerships and their restaurants. And, 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 and whatever, I think that that would have been a better tact for Jimbo to take. I mean, he could have been dismissive of Saban's comments, but he could have turned it into a positive in showing that A&M is a leader, really, in this area. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you kind of like, hey, you agree with the fact that, like, you know, he, he said, hey, we're – you're not right, Nick. We're, we are doing things right. But maybe he got a little extra defensive and threw a few barbs towards Nick that maybe you know weren't necessarily uh, helpful to the to the discussion of it. But but I can understand in the sense that you know he's feeling attacked. You know the program's feeling attacked maybe. And I mean you know what from an objective standpoint, Drew. I mean I understand you're a Texas A&M alum, but for just you know an objective standpoint. Does this seem like this is sort of sour grapes on, on Nick Saban's part, where he's saying, gosh, now we have an SEC foe that's out recruiting us. They're in Texas, and I'm worried about that. Yeah, I think there's some sour grapes on Nick Saban's part. I also think there's some genuine concern from from him for what the future of, of college sports is and what NIL uh, portends. I mean – we all saw the soundbite of what he said about A&M buying uh, every single one of its recruits, but that followed about, you know, uh, eight or nine minutes of just discussion on NIL before we even got to that point and uh, before, before he even said that. And, you know, he took this real apocalyptic view of what NIL is going to do to college sports. And he said, hey, we might just have to get rid of college sports altogether. And then he went on talking about, you know, if we we start paying players, because he said that's what's coming next, we're just going to pay them. And if we have to do that, then there won't be any more college tennis, college soccer, and college golf, and track and field, and all these other non-revenue sports. Um, I thought... I, I was having a hard time following his argument there uh, and his doomsday concerns. And I, I went online uh, and found that uh, there's a collective out at North Carolina State, and uh, they're doing – the collective there is really not just supporting these big revenue sports and their kids, but they're also lifting up the opportunities for kids that aren't in revenue sports to actually – uh, also capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. So, yeah, I think there's some sour grapes. I think there's uncertainty, and uncertainty brings fear. And, you know, the, the 
guy did have the number two recruiting class. I mean, I, <laughs> the cupboard's not there at Alabama. And by the same token, it's not like A&M's never had a ranked recruiting class. We had top ten classes year in and year out when Kevin Sumlin was there. We didn't do very well with those classes because Kevin Sumlin didn't know how to coach those kids up. And that's what it all comes down to, too, is, man, is Fisher going to be able to coach this number one recruiting class up? Nick Saban is able to recruit uh, coach his recruiting classes up every year. And how many of these guys are going to stick around before they enter the transfer portal, which is in totally you know, another topic we could get into some other time. Yeah, you know, I, I was wondering about that because, yeah, Nick is, seems to always find himself in the playoffs for the most part, and and they've had some sort of uh, almost, I mean, just a dominant kind of presence in college football for a long, long time. And so I would imagine that person is going to want status quo because you're able to kind of keep things going the same. And as soon as things go against the status quo, you know, a, a, a speed up offense, a different way of recruiting. Uh, that person sort of seems to lash out. That was at least my impression that this felt like uh, somebody that's already very wealthy and very rich and has tons of recruits and a lot of success griping about a system that really put him in a, that he's had a kind of a death's grip on for a long time. And, and nobody's saying he can't put together name, image, and likeness deals. Um, in fact, I think he even touted Bryce Young, their quarterback, getting a, you know, a seven, no, maybe a six or seven figure, whatever it was, but it was a large, a large deal through name, image, and likeness and sort of touting it, at least initially. And now I think he's kind of backing off that and kind of saying, well, wait a minute here, because some other schools are starting to use it to their advantage. Um, one of them being USC. USC, I think football has done a pretty good job in the transfer portal um, and taking some heat for it as well. Lincoln Riley, their new coach there uh, from Oklahoma to USC. And he just signed uh, Jordan Addison, which is the Bolitnikoff Award winner. And a lot of people said he was bought uh, by USC to come there. And, and so I think you're going to start seeing more and more accusations of that maybe there's some truth to it maybe there's not but what do you i guess generally big picture drew what do you think about that i mean do you have a problem assuming it doesn't impact any other sports negatively um that we can tell right now do you have a problem with programs uh, sort of buying recruits in the sense of saying you know hey you can come to our school and look what our kids are getting and our boosters are willing to hire you guys and have you help promote their their programs and pay you a million bucks but we want you to play here uh is that is that a problem or concern for college football do you think well i mean i guess it's a concern i don't know if it's i don't know if it's a problem yeah truthfully i mean you know everybody's got the opportunity to do this and there are lots of crazy uh boosters and supporters of programs at, at uh, places all over the country that have more money than cents. And so, you know, just because uh, they're doing it at Texas A&M and they're doing it at Alabama or they're doing it at Georgia, doesn't mean they can't do it somewhere else. And I think that, you know, there's a difference between uh, buying somebody and just giving them money to come to your to your school and buying somebody in that you know they're going to do something uh for that money uh 
you know, to, to, to earn that money. I mean, A, they're earning the money by helping your program win and they're helping your, uh, you know, Rolex date-just wearing coaches continue to be able to uh, afford their nice lifestyle. But also, in a name, image, and likeness deal, I mean, they're promoting or pitching the business uh, that their name, image, and likeness, they're being paid for to uh, offer their name, image, and likeness for. So, I mean, I don't really see that it's a problem. I mean, presumably this kid that was the Bletnikoff Award winner is going to be, you know, um, on commercials or something like that. And, you know, it, it's it's a mutual benefit uh, for everybody. Does it change uh, the sport and the complexion of the sport? Well, sure it does. And there's, like everything else, there's going to be haves and have-nots uh, based on resources. But that's existed for a long time now anyway. And, you know, uh, Nick Saban talks about this uh, uh, ruining of the parity of, 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 of college football. You tell me what kind of parity there is when the, the same, you know, few programs, including Alabama, most particularly, are, are contending for the college football national championship every year. Yeah, that's a, a great point. I mean, you know, Ohio State always seems to be in the mix, right? It's 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 an Ohio State or Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia. You know, it's the same handful of teams, and so that isn't parity. You know, it's not like you have Boise State and and you know Washington State in the in the national championship. You know, it, it's uh, and so that kind of rings hollow to me a little bit that it's about parity. It might be a threat to dominance, you know, and and now there's different programs because Alabama may not sit as well from a name, image and likeness deal that maybe USC, UCLA or Texas or Florida might with you got big markets and sunny and sun and and maybe they can attract a few more um, uh, talented folks to come their way to sign some deals and play with that school. I know the NCAA tried putting recently putting some guardrails up against the name, image, and likeness. And one of them was that you couldn't make a deal contingent upon attending a school. And if you did that, uh, that would be a problem. They didn't make it an official rule, but it was more of a guideline. Um, what do you think about that? Like if there was a sense of, okay, you can do all the deals want, you want, but you can't make it contingent. Because right now you can. You could say, hey, you're, you know, we're, we're a, you know, a Dallas uh, company. We want you to Go to Texas A&M, and if you do, we're going to give you this deal. And the NCAA says, no, they want to get away from that. But I'm sure there's a lot of workarounds around that. But do you think that, that that's kind of the one thing the NCAA has kind of put forward to try to combat that? Do you think that has any chance of success? I think the NCAA, as we've known it, is impotent to yeah. deal with the new landscape of college sports. We live in a land uh, of free labor and uh, college sports is a multi-billion dollar industry and uh, it's high time that these kids that uh, have been putting their futures and their health and their safety uh, at risk especially in these sports like football to bring in billions of dollars to their schools uh, you know get get paid to do it and I think that uh, the NCAA is impotent in trying to to stop it the cat's out of the bag I also don't think that I, I'm 
trying to see what is wrong with making an NIL deal contingent upon a kid choosing a particular school. Because, like I said, it's not just one or two schools that are doing this. So if there is an NIL deal uh, that's in the works for a kid to go to the University of Houston, but he instead decides to go to LSU, do you think he decided to go to LSU uh, because there was no NIL deal waiting for him there? Right, right. You know? So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's I, I, I don't really, I'm trying to see the, the logic behind it. I think I see the logic behind it. I don't really see how, how it's something that would be enforceable or how it's really something that makes sense. I mean, you offer a scholarship in consideration of the student athlete coming to your school for the scholarship. Why would it be any different offering, you know, some extra dough to a kid to buy his name, image, and likeness, uh, make me and making that contingent on him or her going to your school? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a great point. You know, I was, I was, you just made a great point there with the scholarships, right? The sense that like. It, it's always contingent, right? It, it, you're because it may be like, well, no. We, if this kid is not going to come to an LA school and we're an LA company, we don't really want him living in Florida, trying to be our spokesperson. We're trying to market to the local market here, and so we want him coming to SC. Or you're going to make it at least contingent on a couple schools, SC or UCLA, or you know something to that effect. Um, so I think they're just kind of getting in the way of, of free market and labor and. You know, and I've been impressed what Jimbo Fisher has been able to do, to be honest. I mean, he's put together a, an incredible class. He's done a great job of asserting himself in a difficult SEC. And, um, you know, there was a talk, I don't know if you heard this, Drew, about maybe that Nick Saban violated one of the uh, kind of bylaws of the SEC that's sort of sportsmanship based and that this sort of kind of baseless accusations or, or uh, that they buy, bought all the players kind of violated that. I don't know if it did or didn't and I haven't seen the bylaw. But um, if nothing else, uh, I, this, this was surprising to me from Nick Saban who's sort of been like a face. I kind of relate him to kind of a Coach K maybe of, of, of college basketball and it seems odd that he would be the guy saying others are kind of cheating or not doing things right or, or kind of abusing the system or taking advantage. Oh, did that surprise you too that this kind of came from Nick Saban of all people? Well, that's a good question, Aaron. I mean, it didn't surprise me that it came from him. Also, if you watch the whole discussion and I think you're better able to see to understand what he said by putting it in, in its in its proper context i think that it was uh careless for him to say that a&m bought every single one of its players um that's entirely careless because i'm sure <laughs> there were plenty of kids who would have signed there regardless um i think you know, you also have to look at where he said this. He didn't say this, you know, being interviewed by somebody on ESPN. He was at the 
in Birmingham at some, you know, Alabama alumni uh, function dinner. He was sitting next to Nate Oates, who's the head basketball coach there, and they were just talking about the state of Alabama athletics and college athletics in general. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was one of those uh, uh, meetings where you're also soliciting uh, some funds, which is ironic. You're soliciting some funds and donations from your top boosters, and I'm sure that you know they were charging X number of dollars a head or a table to be there. And so I think part of it is Nick Saban. Uh, I think what's surprising is that he does, he's not savvy enough to understand that anything you say anywhere in front of a camera with a microphone in front of you uh, has a chance to be spread around the world in seconds. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's surprising to me is more the lapse of uh, judgment on that. Yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Than anything else. I, I totally agree with that because I feel like, yeah, even if the, the context is less harmful and damaging, um, you know, when you watch the whole video, uh, you know, he must have known somebody had a phone out that was going to send that to somebody that somehow Texas a and is going to find out and then not be too happy. I mean, they got the AD uh, chiming in from Texas a and I mean, this is a pretty large-scale spat. Uh, one of the larger ones we've seen between SEC institutions in a while. Um, you know, and so interesting to see. I can't wait till they play. I mean, I'll put it that way. Uh, when Texas A&M plays Alabama, it'll just be kind of a, add to a, maybe a sense of like, uh, you know, I, I think Jimbo Fisher said he's sort of done with Nick Saban. Maybe cooler heads will prevail, you know, as, as time goes on and they'll chat and they'll get past this. But I can understand it from his perspective. I mean, when I worked at USC and, and I was around the recruiters, when, I mean, if somebody says kind of something bad about your program or negative, it kind of digs at some of your work ethic and your uh, integrity and, and, it, and it's upsetting, you know. And, and so I think maybe his response was a little bit kind of being the mouthpiece for a lot of folks that can't have a mouthpiece and kind of say, we recognize your effort and what you're doing here and we're doing things the right way. And so maybe he lashed out stronger than he needed to. But it was an interesting perspective. And uh, if nothing else, I mean, Alabama's doing some good stuff, and so is Texas A&M. I can't wait to see what Texas A&M does as far as, uh, you know, if they have a chance to kind of sneak in that really, really tough, coveted spot into the college football playoffs this year. What do you think? What's your outlook on kind of a closing note here, Drew, for the Texas uh, A&M Aggies for football this year? Well, I think it's going to take a couple years for this, you know, recruiting class to pan out. There will be some kids from this recruiting class that transfer out. There'll be some kids from this recruiting class that never live up to their potential. But there'll be some kids from this recruiting class who become bona fide stars. I think uh, where A&M is this year coming into the football season, I think that uh, they're probably a preseason top 10 team. I don't know what that means. I've never really put much stock into what being a preseason top 10 team means. They've got an interesting situation at the quarterback position where they've got uh, three kids, you know, duking it out for the the top spot there. Haynes King, who was the starter at the beginning of last year before he got hurt. Uh, Brad Johnson's kid, uh, who transferred over from LSU, and then one of those uh, one of those recruits that A and M bought uh, this year, Connor Wegman, the true freshman top drop back quarterback in the. in in his senior class you know so somebody's got to assert themselves as 
as the as the quarterback, and obviously you got to protect the quarterback. Aiden uh, Perinelli does a good job of bringing in uh, and coaching up good offensive linemen, so I'm not as concerned there. We lost a couple skill position guys, but I think that uh, you know we'll, we'll be better uh, in in those areas. Tight end is a concern. Uh, our uh, uh, Top tight end, Jalen Weidermeyer, uh, left early for the NFL draft. In hindsight, I think that was a mistake for him. He was a guy who was at one time touted as a first-round pick and ended up not even getting drafted because of his uh, speed. Uh, So we also had another tight end uh, who left in the transfer portal. So that'll that'll be some difficulty. Defense will be solid. looking forward to the season uh it'll be a challenging schedule that game against alabama is on the road i was at the game last year at at kyle field when uh pulled off the the upset of all upsets and that was a that was a tough one but going into tuscaloosa will be tough so i don't know if a&m's a college football playoff team this year obviously i certainly hope they are uh, I'm a passionate uh, fan, but I try not to look at everything through my maroon-colored glasses and understand, you know, reality. And it's a tough league. Uh, I will certainly be tuned in on October 8th uh, to watch that A&M uh, Alabama game. It will be uh, must-see TV from not just an on-the-field perspective, but off the field and on the sidelines as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. I think a lot of people are interested. And, and whenever you have high-profile people uh, in sports having any sort of spat or disagreement or misunderstanding, people want to tune into that and, and watch it. You know, And that's, that's part of the entertainment factor of, of sports in general. You know what I mean? You have these rivalries and you got these... Um, you know, that's part of the fun of it, you know, and, and you trash talking maybe a little bit. You got sportsmanship, but sometimes that can go out the window a little bit when temperature tempers flare. Uh, you know, I know I know you uh, drew it at, uh, you know, Willamette Law when you were in the basketball league. So you would dunk on somebody and you'd make sure to, you know, trash talk them a little bit on the on the on the way down the court. And, you know, I might have done that once or twice, but I could I couldn't grab the net. But, you know. That's okay. Well, I really only, I really just saved my trash talking for when I dunked on Spence. Yeah. <laughs> he provoked it. He really yeah, did. He provoked it. He did. He and, did. Uh, you know, I, I tried to just kind of just go about my business as oh. normal. And, you know, yeah, I dunked on you. Okay, that's just what's going to happen. But I took it to another level with him because he really egged it on. Me and, really. You know, I think probably the years have humbled him a little bit. And uh, if we were to go back out there and play uh, against each other, assuming we could make it up and down the court uh, once or twice, um, you know, I, I, I think it, you might see a different, uh, a different, uh, you know, outcome. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, uh, you know what? I think, was, uh, you know, I think we had a really good discussion today. I think that it was level-headed. It was, it was fair and balanced we tried seeing it from all given alabama the context you know and the benefit of the doubt of what he was trying to do and the circumstances and and you know jimbo maybe he didn't respond in 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 the perfect manner the perfect way to some attacks you know but in the end uh 
you know, it's it's all 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 good. You know, we're gonna keep we're gonna play the game on the field, and and the players right now are gonna keep getting those name, image, and likeness deals. And college football is a very fun sport, and we're we're a few months out, and it's gonna get going. And uh, I have ho- some hopes for my Trojans to kind of improve on what they they were. And the Ducks are still kind of right there in the mix. And the Ducks are kind of the I would I would compare them to the to Texas in Texas is how I would compare the ducks in Oregon and a lot of my listeners are not going to like that um because 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 I don't mean it in a good way but that's okay (laughs) well let me let me tell you this and and I know that our time is short here but I've been to football games at Autzen Stadium and I've been at the football games at Royal Memorial Stadium Oregon fans have far more passion than Texas Longhorn fans the Longhorns, if they're ranked and they're contending, man, the, the bandwagon is, is large and that stadium is filled. The team muddles around at 500. Those people, half those people are out on 6th Street or doing something else. Oh, so that's a misnomer about Texas. They are, they're, they're front runners. That's what they are, front runners. Uh, Oregon, hey, I appreciate their passion there. Yeah, yeah. The you know, it, you're right. <laughs> you know, Oregon. Yeah, and so I think that's a great analysis. You got front runners in Oregon. You got a little more like we're in, you know we're in it no matter what. It's a smaller market, and they're 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 fans. And well, hey, Drew, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate your insight, uh, your objectivity, your analysis. Um, let's get on the show again. Let's well, let's not have it be one or two years. Let's let's, let's get you in during maybe pre Texas A and M Alabama football game. Oh, maybe. I think that would be I think that would be really really important. Yeah, absolutely. And you can kind of break it down. Give us your predictions, your analysis, and we'll we'll chat during the the year. And we'll get this podcast out uh, probably this afternoon. And uh, I really appreciate you being a fan of the show coming back on and giving us your analysis i wish you all the best to you and your family drew all right well appreciate it take it easy gig Ta- maggies gig man fight on and uh i guess go byu go coos huh spence <laughs> all right we'll see you see you drew bye Uh, awesome conversation uh you know uh, drew always a great guy what, what were some of your takeaways there yeah i thought drew did a great job of analyzing it we talked about the ncaa wanting to make deals not contingent upon you know a player attending a school but he said scholarships are contingent on that and so why treat it differently than a scholarship and the other thing is all schools can do it so if Texas A and M is going to do it, so can Alabama, so can Oregon, so can BYU. So nobody's necessarily getting a an advantage. There are haves and have-nots, and people with more resources, but they're always going to be that in sports. And so how do you get rid of that? Um, you See, know, that's what I think Nick, Nick Saban was actually saying. I don't think that Nick Saban was. Well, I mean, I think he was taking a shot at A and M, but I think ultimately Nick Saban is saying, "I need you boosters to step up." Yeah, right? he was at a booster function when right. he said this. Yeah. You know, and that, Drew mentioned that, like, he, he, if you take it in context, he's at a booster function, he's in Alabama, it kind of makes sense why he was saying it, but he had to know somebody had a camera in there, 
He's going to say something very specific about a rival. It's going to get out and get to Texas A&M. It did. Texas A&M didn't love it because yeah. they're saying, are you calling us cheaters? Are you saying we're not doing it right? We're being dirty? No, we're not. We're following the rules. And Nick Saban, Drew had a good point. Nick Saban did this when football started getting fast. Oregon started playing fast and hiking before the chains. And Nick Saban said, whoa, this is bad for football. The players are getting hurt. This isn't good. Then he went out and hired Lane Kiffin. Sark and went and built one of the fastest offensive um, systems and played speed offense. Absolutely. So it didn't work for him at first. It was a threat. Then he adopted it and started doing it. Seems like he's going to do it here. If the NCAA says the cat's out of the bag, it's going to happen, you're going to see it's going to be called the Crimson Tide NIL deal program. Right. And he's going to buy every player. It just isn't working for him right now. USC is taking advantage of it. Texas A&M is taking advantage of it. Ole Miss and those schools are getting wealthy off talent. And, and right now, Alabama thought, we're not going to really do this. Well, now it's starting to get burned. They're going to start doing it. But I think Drew did a good job of making it objective. Nick's now reached out, probably said, let me explain myself. And yeah. I think Jimbo's like, he I don't know. his call. Yeah, I have nothing to say to you, bro, because you called me out. You called our recruiting efforts out. You called our school out. You kind of, and I, and I get it. I could see Jimbo being mad. It's like, leave us, you know, if it was like Will Smith style, leave my wife's name out your mouth or whatever. You know, Jimbo Fisher saying, you know, hey, Alabama, leave, leave Texas AM out your mouth, Nick. Yeah. You know, like, leave us alone. You could just say other schools. Yeah. Other schools are doing. Why do you have to be really specific with Texas AM? Well, and it was so, specific because AM beat them in the recruiting. Yeah. Right? I mean, that. That was that was a big deal, right? So, yeah. anyways, it'll be a it'll be a fun 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 to follow this story, see where it goes, uh, you know, and see see who 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 becomes who what if if Texas A&M takes it to him, if if Alabama starts using this NIL stuff, it'll be interesting to follow. So, anyways, I know you got a lot of stuff going on this weekend. I got a lot of stuff going on this weekend. My wife is off and hiking the Grand Canyon. You got camping. Let's let's let everybody go enjoy their weekend. And go enjoy your weekend. Watch that clip of Nick Saban if you haven't watched it and Jimbo Fisher. Get ready for October eighth. Get your popcorn out. Texas A and M at Alabama. And then next week, Spence, we got to highlight some other college football things that are going on. There's a lot of news right now. Yeah. And uh, I think we're gonna have another guest and another guest. We got several weeks of guests coming to our podcast. Listen in. This summer's gonna be hot. Let's love it. I love it.